Praise God. I want to carry on with um, where we've been talking about faith. Faith and doubt. If you remember the last time I spoke at Easter, but the time before that, I talked about dealing with doubt and our journey of faith. A couple of weeks ago, the sun was shining. It was beautiful. I put my shorts on. Can you remember that day, that weekend? Yeah, Easter. Uh, on the Easter Saturday, it was, it was a, a rare moment in our household, the O'Brien household, when all of the family were together. Emily was staying with us. Tom was back from uni. John is always with us. And um, we decided we'd go and um, go up Penavan again. We, we'd been up once before, and we thought we'd do it again. And so I'm going to show you some, some pictures of us walking up Penavan. And it's not just because I want to share with you my, our amazing feat that we climbed the mountain, but I will be referring to this throughout my talk today. So there you see us, so we're at the, um, the, the, the approach to the mountain. If you see here, this is the, the summit. Do you see that? There's a, there's a little summit there, but this is the main summit. And so we're going to set off and walk up the mountain together. And, and this is a lovely picture. We, we, had this, we started in this point in the Brecon Beacons where it was a lovely babbling brook, and beautiful greenery in the wooded area, and, and we come across these sheep that were being moved by the shepherds from one field to another. And it was lovely. I captured that picture. It's a beautiful picture. And so this is us. We, we, had, we had made the approach and we're, we're going up a bit further. The summit is getting a bit closer, as you see. And then we get to this point. I, I don't know if you've done the same, whether you're climbing a mountain or on a walk. You have a look back to see how far you've come. And, we, and we, we got to this point, and you can see, this is where we, this is where we came from here. So it's, it's like a little speck now. You can't quite see it, but you can still see where the cars are. And so we've walked this far, and, we, and we're giving ourselves a pat on the back and thinking oh, how, how far we've come. And so we carry on the journey, and this beautiful picture here of us um, starting to scale um, a bit more of an of a incline. And, and there we are, we've, we've made, I've looked back again, this is where we, we came from, you see? So that point is getting further and further away, and then there's this, that lovely lake there. And then, there we are, there's Sally and Emily on the left, and we've walked, so now we've walked from, from, from here, along here, and then we, we scaled up this bit here, and then we're walking along this ridge. And you'll see here there's more people, because um, people come from this side, the more conventional route, uh, and it... And if, if some people call that the motorway because it's like full of people. It's interesting, actually. On that day, it, it was very busy. And there was people of all different languages and nations climbing that mountain in Wales. Very famous Wales. And this, this is the summit. So we're looking from the summit back down onto the, uh, uh, the way that we come. We can just about see. Um, oh, wrong way. Just about see here. This is where we came from. And so normally we would, we would do the horseshoe, walk around here, and walk back down here over that ridge and back down to where we came from. But we decided to do something different. We decided to walk straight back down. Straight back down here. And some silly pictures. <laughs> and so we're, we're starting the descent back down. See Emily there. We had, there, was a, there was a race going on at this time. It was these fell runners running, um, they'd obviously run from 
ran from one point and they're running back down the horseshoe area. And it looks like Emily is part of the race, but she's not. So, And then we're walking back down, and that's the... Uh, we can try and get back down to here. If you just look here, this is where they moved the sheep to here. It's a lovely green spot where the, the sheep were eating their food. And this is looking back again at the summit. And lovely green grass, which I was pointing to a minute ago. And that's where the sheep were, you see. So you see the summit back there. So that's our journey um, to Penivan. Beautiful. I'll leave that one up. So faith and doubt. I want to read to you today from two sections in Scripture. One is Romans chapter 4. And uh, where we think we find about, out about the life of Abraham and his faith. And also we're going to look at 2 Peter chapter 1 and Peter's take on faith. And how, because today I want to talk about growing in faith. And I'll tell you why I want to talk about growing in faith. Because I believe, you know, with this whole area of, of faith and doubt, as we grow in faith, so our doubt becomes less. As we grow in more understanding, as, as we live more faithful lives that, and we get closer and understand Jesus more intimately, God more intimately, our, our doubts become less because we know God better. And so I want to look at that aspect today as encouraging us to grow in our faith today. And I want to look at this life of Abraham, first of all, to just to introduce this to us. So if you have a Bible... Uh, either electronically or, or print, then let's go to Romans chapter 4. I'm, I'm speaking from the New Living Translation. Abraham was, humanly speaking, the founder of our Jewish nation. What were his experiences concerning this question of being saved by faith? Was it because of his good deeds that God accepted him? If so, he would have had something to boast about. But God's point of view, Abraham had no basis at all for pride. For the scriptures tell us, Abraham believed God, so God declared him to be righteous. When people work, their wages are not a gift. Workers earn what they receive. But people are declared righteous because of their faith not because of their work. King David spoke of this, describing the happiness of an undeserving sinner who is declared to be righteous. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose sin is no longer counted against them by the Lord. So we see from this passage that Abraham, because of Abraham's faith, he was declared righteous. And that this was a gift, that the, the faith, because of his faith, he received this righteousness from God. I'm going to leave a, a bit out because for time today, but I encourage you to read the rest of Romans 4. And we're going to pick it up again because what, what um, Paul talks about here is about the law and about faith and the differences between them. You know, you can see it from what he says in, in verse 4 that, you know, that we don't work for this gift. This gift of faith is not worked for. It's that we are given it. We, we become righteous by faith. If you remember that Paul would be talking to 
a Jewish nation. And, and, to, and to this point in the New Testament, their whole lives have been based around obeying the law and, and uh, the sacrifices and all that is in line with the law. And now he's saying there's a new way, there's a Jesus way. The way that he's talking about means that we are, we are made righteous by faith. I'm going to expand on that. In verse 18, it says this, When God promised Abraham that he would become the father of many nations, Abraham believed him. God had also said, Your descendants will be as numerous as the stars, even though such a promise seemed utterly impossible. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though he knew that he was too old to be a father at the age of 100, and that Sarah, his wife, had never been able to have children. Verse 20 says that Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. He was absolutely convinced that God was able to do anything he promised. And because of Abraham's faith, God declared him to be righteous. Now, this wonderful truth that God declared him to be righteous wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was for us too. Assuring us that God will also declare us to be righteous if we believe in God who brought Jesus our Lord back from the dead. He was handed over to die because of our sins and he was raised from the dead to make us right with God. So this is not only for Abraham, this is for all of us who believe that we have become righteous because we are made righteous by faith, by faith in God. So, if we are made righteous by faith, we're at this point, maybe today we have, a, we have a broad spectrum of people that are on the journey. Maybe you're at the start where the, lamb, where the sheep and that were being moved and the beginning of your journey, or maybe you're sort of halfway at the sort of lake point, or maybe you're at the summit, or even maybe you've been to the summit and you're back down. We're all in different parts in our, of our journey of faith. But as I was reading this, and, and, and it become clearer as we look at Peter, I, I have this question in my head with this whole subject of faith, that why do sometimes us, as people of faith, who have been declared righteous by faith, still have doubts? Why is it sometimes that our doubts are bigger than our faith? And so I, I'm, I'm intrigued about this answer because I believe as we, as we study this, as we gather understanding about this, our lives will be more of faith and less of doubt. And as we live our lives more of faith and less of doubt, we will live greater lives. We will see greater things happen. We will be like Abraham who never wavered in believing God's promise. And as he, not, no wavering in his, his faith grew. I have things like the picture of Jesus, the story of Jesus and the withered fig tree where he curses the tree. And he, and he says to his disciples, if you have faith without doubt, then you can do these things too. You can tell this mountain to move and it will. James talks about having faith with no doubt. So I have these things in my mind. How do we live those sort of lives where we are people of faith with no doubt or less doubt? More faith, less doubt, where we believe what we believe and we doubt what we doubt, as someone famously said.
We are made righteous by faith. And so let's flip over now to to Peter and see what he has to say about living by faith. And 2 Peter chapter 1, we're going to talk. And this is the main thrust of what I want to talk about today. I'm going to be reading from the Passion Translation, which is a relatively new one. It it enlightens us a bit more. It gives us a little bit of a different um, thought and angle. And and some parts, of they've they've done the New Testament, the Psalms, and Isaiah now. Um, But this is uh, interesting. So if you have, like, your Bible app, you'll be able to find the Passion Translation on there. So... Chapter 1 says this. This letter is from Simeon, Peter, a loving servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. I am writing to those who have been given a faith as equally precious as ours through the righteousness of God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's stop there for a minute. I'm writing to those who have been given a faith. Okay, if you remember, I was saying that we are made righteous by faith. So we've all been given this measure of faith by the righteousness of God. We've been made right with God. I say to you today, if if you've never come to a place of giving your life to Jesus, you've not taken that step of faith and said, yeah, I believe in you, God. I believe you sent your son to die for me. And I am sorry for the things in my life. He will forgive you. And then you start this faith journey. And so when we give our lives to Jesus, when we start this faith, we are given this measure of faith. We are given a faith as equally precious as ours through the righteousness of God and Savior Jesus Christ. Verse 2 says, May grace and peace, uh, grace and perfect peace, cascade over you as you live in the rich knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ. Our Lord, as you live, there's an emphasis there, as you live in the rich knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Lord. So we are made righteous by faith. We, we have this faith, this gift of faith that, that God has given us, that we've taken this step of faith. We're made righteous by faith. So what do we do with this faith that we are given? And I think this is where we can learn a lesson about how we can As we grow in faith, so our doubts decrease. You see, I I think that doubt is also at work in our lives alongside faith. And sometimes our doubts can become greater than our faith. But I feel and I I see from this passage, from other parts of Scripture, that as we grow in our faith, as we build upon the faith that we have, then we will see less doubt in our lives. Verse 3 of 2 Peter 1 says, Everything we could ever need for life and complete devotion to God has already been deposited in us By his divine power. Did you pick that up? Did you hear that? Look at the blank faces this morning. What did I just say? 
It's already there, isn't it? Everything that we need, could ever need, for life and complete devotion to God has already been deposited in us by his divine power. For all this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing him who has called us by name and invited us to come to him through a glorious manifestation of his goodness. And as a result of this, he has given you magnificent promises that are beyond all price so that through the power of these tremendous promises, you can experience partnership with the divine nature by which you have escaped the corrupt desires that are of the world. Do you think doubt can fit in that type of life? No, they can't. We have been given everything we need for life. It was lavished upon us. And we have this wonderful, tremendous opportunity to partner with Jesus, to partner with God in this divine nature of Jesus, of God. We can experience partnership with this divine nature by which you have escaped the corrupt desires of the world. So, he says, the big so, the the so that Peter says here in verse 5, devote yourselves to lavishly supplementing your faith. So this is where I want to talk about how we grow in our faith, supplementing our faith. You see, we can come to Christ, we can be, um, we can come to faith, take that, that massive step of faith in believing in God, believing that he sent his son to die for us, take that massive step of faith. And in that moment of faith, we are declared righteous. But then what do we do with that righteousness? What do we do with that faith? And, and the thing is that we come to this place of faith, we take this step of faith, and sometimes that is where we stay. Okay, cool. I, I have, I've given my life to Jesus. I, I now share in this eternity with Jesus. And, and, and we, we stay there. And we wonder why we doubt when there's so much more for us to experience. So much more for us to walk in and live in. So I want to encourage you to fan into flame, as Paul would say in one of his things, fan into flame this gift of righteousness. Fan into flame this gift of faith that we have. And so, devote yourselves, he says, to lavishly supplementing your faith with goodness. And to goodness add understanding and to understanding add the strength of self-control, and to self-control add patient endurance, and to patient endurance add godliness, and to godliness add mercy towards your brothers and sisters, and to mercy towards others add unending love. Since, listen to this, verse 8, since these virtues are already planted deep within and you repossess them in abundant supply, they will keep you from being inactive or fruitless in your pursuit of knowing Jesus Christ more intimately. So these things, goodness, understanding, strength of self-control, patient endurance, godliness, mercy to brothers and sisters, unending love, these things that he lists there are already planted within you already planted within me. And we possess them. 
in abundant supply. What do you think about that? It's amazing. What else do people think? What do you think about that? It's brilliant. Amazing. They're already here, planted in us. But then he says this in verse 9. But if anyone lacks these things, he is blind. Constantly closing his eyes to the mysteries of our faith. And forgetting his innocence, for his past sins have been washed away. Hmm. When we supplement our faith with these things, our faith grows. And we can be like um, Abraham who says he never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. When we don't supplement this faith that we have been given, our doubts increase. And so we are blind. Lacking these things. Constantly closing our eyes to the mysteries of our faith. And forgetting our innocence. That we, our past is no longer there. Our sins have been forgiven. We are now declared righteous. I love what um, Peter then goes on to say. He says this in verse 10. For this reason, beloved ones, be eager to confirm and validate that God has invited you to salvation and claimed you as his own. If you do these things, you will never stumble. As a result, the kingdom's gates will open wide to you as God choreographs your triumphant entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus, the Messiah. And then he says this, I won't hesitate to continually remind you of these truths, even though you are aware of them and are well established in the present measure of truth you have already embraced. And as long as I live, I will continue to awaken you with this reminder. And so for me, that, that demonstrates to us uh, Peter demonstrates to us that this, this circle, this, this is like a circle. It's like goodness, understanding, um, self-control, etc., etc. It's not just the list that we go down because then, then we're living by the law again. Okay, if I'm good, I do this. If I, uh, in order to build my faith, I have to be good. I have to be understanding. I have to strengthen self goal, blah, blah, blah. Um, it's a circle. Wherever we are, wherever the measure of our faith is, wherever the measure of our truth is, we are continuing this cycle. So this is why I've put up these pictures. Because all through my journey, I was looking back to see how far I'd come. And in our journey of faith, in our journey of growing in faith, it's good to look back to see how far you've come. Because sometimes we think we've not come very far. We start believing the doubts that we have. That I'm no good, that uh, oh, I failed here, I shouldn't have done that. But when we look back, it can do two things, I think. We can look back and think, yeah, actually, I've not actually come that far. I need to really get into what Scripture is, is to, what Peter, like Peter is saying, that I need to build my faith. Or you could look back, like we did the first time we looked back and thought, wow, look how far we've come. Isn't that amazing? 
So there's a continual circle, a continual circle of living. Uh, and as we grow in faith, by supplementing it with these virtues. I'm, I've just finished a book uh, by Bob Goff. And it's called Love Does. Maybe some of you have read it. It's an easy book to read. Read it in a couple of days. It's just a book of stories of his life. And he applies spiritual um, lessons and stories to that. And there was this one chapter where he talks about a desire that he's always wanted to sail from Los Angeles to Hawaii. And there's a, a race that's called the Trans Pack Race. And you sail from, L to, from Los Angeles to Hawaii, which is 2,600 miles. Um, but the, the thing about this journey is that you are not allowed to use any modern technology to navigate your way from Los Angeles to Hawaii. You, you can't, use the G, can't use GPS um, and things like that. So you have to use um, the stars and the sun to navigate your way from the to, from the one point to the other. Use sextants and almanacs and journals and books to try and determine where the sun will be and where the sun is. Um, so this is the story. He, he, they, they, they had this boat that they, that they had. They loved sailing, had this boat, had this navigator who was from the Navy, so he knew how to use all of the, the um, um, traditional tools of navigation. But then two days before the race, um, the navigator was called, his, his orders had changed, and he had to go somewhere else with the Navy, so he was no longer able to navigate this boat. So they drew straws that who was going to navigate, and it drew straws to Bob Goff. Goff. And he doesn't know how to use sextants. He doesn't know how to use all these things. He, 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 there's a crash course in a couple of days, and um, his previous navigator had this lovely brass sextant, and he, he goes to buy this plastic one and anything. It's, it's a difficult story that he has. Anyway, he uses a, another type of navigation, which I hadn't heard of before, but maybe you have, called dead reckoning. And this type of navigation is used in, in, in sailing, in aviation. It's used in hiking. It's used in all ways, this dead reckoning. And the, in its very basic form, dead reckoning is where you take um, your bearing off of two, um, two fixed points that you do know. You take fi two fixed points, point them back to where you are so you know where you are at all times. And I didn't realize I, I do this when I'm hiking. So, like I said, I, I constantly look back at where we, had be, where we had started. So I look back to where I started here. Here. No, not over there. Started here looking towards and had the summit. So I had these two points, these two fixed points, and I, and I knew where I was so um, I, I knew where I was at all times, this dead reckoning. And why I talk about that is in our journey of faith, well, there, there are points in our faith that we can fix to. You say, yeah, I remember at this point, I had this experience with God, and that was certain. Or I, I read this promise in, in the Bible, in Scripture. You think of Abraham. He, 
he, he believed the promise that he would be the father of many nations. He did not waver on that. That was one of his fixed points. But as we look back, we can measure to see how far we have come. And for me, that's useful. Obviously, we don't live uh, our lives looking backwards because we know, all know the, the analogy of the plow that we need to face forward in what we're doing. But there's nothing wrong in looking back and seeing how far we've come because when we look back to see how far we've come, we can measure our faith and ask this question, what does growing in faith look like in you? What does growing in faith look like in you? Do you want to know how far you've come in, in your faith journey? Or are you content just to be saved by grace? That's not a rhetorical question. Are you, are you happy with where you are? Or would you like to see yourselves grow in faith more? Would you like to see doubt less in your lives? Good. As we look back, we see how far we've come. i I, I do two quick examples for me. Um, a few weeks ago, I had this nostalgic moment where I wanted to watch a video that I loved when I was younger, maybe 25 years ago. And I, I put the video on, and before long, the video was off. Because I thought to myself, how on earth did I watch this program? How on earth did I watch this film? It, it had swearing in it, it had, it had violence in it, and... Uh, I could see from just that small measure that I had grown in faith, in goodness, in understanding, in self-control. Do you understand what I mean by that measuring? Have you experienced that before where you, you, you've put a film on or something? You think, how did I used to watch this? You know, I, I know friends that have... Uh, they, they've, they've done that sort of thing. They put a video on and they have their parents with them. And then, whoa, you know, how did I watch this before? You know, uh, and an embarrassing moment that they actually allowed themselves to watch this. Or maybe there's things on TV now maybe that you put on and you, you think, oh, no, I can't watch that. That's, 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 that's no good for me. That's... Or I was thinking the other day, you know, when I was, I've been preaching now for like 25 years. And uh, maybe something I, I would have preached about 25 years ago, I don't actually, I understand that in a different way now. So my understanding has changed. And I would, wouldn't preach that type of sermon. My understanding, because of growing in faith, because of understanding God more and Jesus more, um, I understand it differently. And we can do that all in our lives. Look back and see how far we've come. Now, you may look back and think, actually, in the area of self-control, I haven't really grown that much. Or um, in the area of godliness, it's still a bit sketchy. doesn't matter. Listen to what Scripture says. These divine virtues are, are planted inside of us. So grow in faith. Grow in faith. Supplement your faith with these things. We have been made righteous by faith. And as we supplement that faith and righteousness, our faith grows and our doubts decrease.
Look at how far you have come. Look at how far your faith has grown. Keep on going, supplementing your faith. The good nurse with godliness, with understanding, with self strength of self-control, patient endurance, mercy, and ending love. I want us to do something now. Coming to the end of what I want to share. I think my takeaway today for us is this. I know that we struggle with doubts. I understand that doubt is sometimes part of our lives. But my dream, my desire is for us all to see the absolute truth that David, that um, Peter is saying here. The lavishing that has been poured out on us, that we've all been given a faith. A magnificent promises. These can be fixed points in our lives as well. Magnificent promises that God has given us either through Holy Spirit or through Scripture. That as we grow in our faith, so our doubts decrease. And so that we can pray in faith, believing that all things are possible through Christ. That when we pray for our friends, when we pray for each other, maybe for healing, that we pray differently. We, we, we pray out of the knowledge of what Peter tells us. We pray out of the knowledge of what Abraham demonstrates to us. That all things are possible. That he believed that this impossibility of him being the father of all nations. He was a hundred years old and his wife was barren. But he still had no doubt that God said what he said. He believed with all his heart. And so his faith grew stronger. So I, I wonder whether we can just stand to our feet right now. I wonder if we could stand to our feet. And maybe you want to close your eyes. Let's put our phones down. Let's put our books down. Let's just focus in on Holy Spirit now. Because I really want Holy Spirit to speak to you, speak to me. What is he saying to you? Think about the words that I have been talking about. Think of some of the things and stories that I've said. What is Holy Spirit saying to you? Because he will speak to you. And he is speaking to you. And I want to speak these words over you. And as I speak them, these are words from 2 Peter. Be open to what Holy Spirit is saying to you about you, about your faith, about your future, about where you've come. What is Holy Spirit saying to you today? I'm writing to those who have been given a faith as equally precious as ours. 
through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. May grace and perfect peace cascade over you as you live in the rich knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Everything we could ever need for life and complete devotion to God has already been deposited in us by his divine power. For all this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing him who has called us by name and invited us to come to him through a glorious manifestation of his goodness. As a result of this, he has given you magnificent promises that are beyond all price. So that through the power of these tremendous promises, you can experience partnership with the divine nature by which you have escaped the corrupt desires that are of the world. So, devote yourselves to lavishly supplementing your faith. Holy Spirit, I pray and ask that you would speak clearly into our hearts right now. You can go from a life of doubt to a life of faith, to a life of more faith and less doubt as we take heed to what we have heard today. So whatever Holy Spirit has said to you, and I, and I hope you've tuned into that, whatever he said to you today, take note of it. Maybe write it in your journal. Write it in your notes on your phone. Write it on a piece of paper. Write it into your heart. And move with that. Live with that. For me, I love what Peter has said here. Everything we could ever need for life and complete devotion to God has only been deposited in us by his divine power. It's already there. It's already there. You, you don't have to work hard for it. You don't, have to, you don't have to do a set of rules to get it. It is already there. We have been made righteous by faith. So let's live as people of faith in our day-to-day, in our everyday. Father, we thank you for this time together. Father, we thank you that you have spoken to us through, through Abraham, through Paul, through Peter this morning, through the words that they heard and through the words that they've written down for us to glean from, to understand you more. And I pray and I thank you for every one of us here today that you have deposited in every one of us who have given our lives to Jesus, given our lives to you, you have deposited these things and that we partner with you in your divine nature. So I pray that we will walk with our heads held high, with our hearts excited about this faith journey that we are on and that as we grow in faith, we will see our doubts decrease. And I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.